welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 277, the Grand National Panel Seminar from the 2019 NWTF Convention and Sports Show, and I am your host for the week because Cameron is on vacation. And the guy who is back from the 2020 NWTF convention and sports show in Nashville. And I have to tell you, I had a great time. This is normally the week when I do the NWTF show recap, but I'm not doing that for you guys this week for a couple of reasons. First of all, I want Cameron to be a part of it because I want Cameron to know what all he missed from this past weekend. And secondly, I have a ton of content from the show this year. The NWTF did fewer seminars at the show this year than they'd done in the past several years, but I swapped out what would have been recording seminars for doing interviews, and I loaded up on some interviews, and I have some amazing content to share with you guys, and I'm excited about bringing it to you. So you're going to get probably a little bit of it in the weeks to come before turkey season starts, but first you're going to get some snippets of it next week when Cameron and I do the NWTF recap episode. And today we are 30 days, 12 hours, 0 minutes, and 5 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So this week, though, I have a heck of a treat for you. I actually have the last seminar that I recorded from last year's NWTF convention for you guys. And while I really hate to say that I saved the best for last, because all of the seminars from last year were pretty darn good, but this one Well, instead of one presenter or two presenters, there are seven people, and not just ordinary people, but there are seven grand national calling champions in this seminar. They're talking about their favorite types of calls to run. They're talking turkey calling, and they even run some of those calls for us. There's a bunch of great content in this one, and I know that you're going to be excited to hear it. And I know that you're going to learn something from this one as well. So let's go ahead and jump into this week's episode. 
I'm going to leave you guys in good hands with Steve Stoltz as the moderator, Pat Strasser, Mark Prudham, Matt Moret, Billy Yargis, Chris Parrish, and Mitchell Johnston. Tell us a little bit about turkey calling. Listen in, and I'll see you on the other side. Uh, well, welcome to the Grand National Panel. Uh, it's, it's Sunday afternoon, and obviously there's not a lot of people at the show, And so, but thank you for having the wherewithal to come and listen to these guys uh, speak. You know, you're looking at the... Uh, you know, legends in the turkey calling industry right up here. Um, Grand National Championships, I can't tell you how many uh, that Pat Strasser has won, of course, running friction. Uh, probably no better that's there ever been. Um, and what a lot of people don't know about Pat is he's an outstanding big whitetail killer. Um, hunter. Hunter killer. <laughs> um, and so uh, we welcome Pat Strasser, many-time Grand National Friction Champion. Next is Mark Prudham. Uh, Mark's won uh, probably the most accomplished Grand National winner as far as uh, total of titles, uh, such as uh, Grand National Champion Champions and Grand National Two-Man Champions and Grand National Outing Champions. And uh, too numerous to mention because I wanna, don't want to get a sore throat. But uh, Mark Prudham is uh, kind enough to be here. And uh, Mark also is really a big expert with like trumpet and wing bone calls, so you're going to kind of get that angle uh, here in this seminar. And Matt Moret, uh, I watched Matt uh, grow up turkey calling, um, and Matt watched me just get old and lose my hair. But uh, while watching Matt in 1990, he beat the best turkey callers in the nation at the Grand Nationals in, I think, South Carolina. Uh, uh, Charleston. Charleston, South Carolina. I'll never forget that. I was dating um, a certain individual's daughter at that convention. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know why I brought that, that up. That was uh, random. Uh, Very random. But uh, that's what happens when you get old and lose, you get old and lose my hair. But Matt, Matt is uh, not only an accomplished friction caller, but won the Grand National Senior Championship and many uh, friction and uh, U.S. Open and uh, world titles. Dating? That's all. You, I Who are you dating? love it, Williams. Oh, okay. um, Mary. Um, next is Billy Argus, and <laughs> Billy Argus is uh, my inspiration. Uh, he's I, I I can't tell you how many titles he's won, but he wrapped off. He's he's won three Grand National Championships. Okay, in in the recent six or eight years but most impressive the at two years before uh, two years in a row he won the grand nationals uh at the age of like 51 52 and i don't want to disclose his age but i'm older than him 53. so so he's my inspiration to kind of climb back into it and start trying to make cuts uh because he proved to me that it doesn't make any difference how old you are, what age you are. If you sound like a turkey, you can uh, you can impress the judges. So we got Billy Argus. Chris Parrish is the most, in my opinion, the most talented turkey caller that I've ever been around. The man knows his. I can't tell you when he hears something, he can make the sound. Uh, and besides that, he's won every turkey calling championship there is to Mankind World Grand National uh, Championships. He runner-up the Grand Nationals nine different times, won it two years in a row, uh, World Championships, and probably the biggest money winner ever, I think, in turkey calling history. Uh, it's when it, they it's not pretty close, when they used to pay money. Uh, and then you have Mitchell Johnson, who Mitchell, again, was no, not, he, he worked very hard at it, climbed his way all the way to the top. And I can remember Mitchell uh, back in the 90s and just hanging around with us and just trying to make cuts and just working so hard on it. And eventually he, he 
kept going and kept going and wow. finally his scores rose and uh, became a Grand National Champion in 2010 and many other uh, championships this guy has won and won again on my other side one of the most talented probably the most talented soft caller that I've ever heard in competition. The, the little soft nuances and, and, and things that you can hear a turkey do, which I think is the most impressive in the turkey calling world is that all that soft stuff. So we're going to start on this end and um, uh, start with Pat. Uh, we really don't have any format lined up for this Grand National Panel. You guys came to hear these guys' insights on their calls and calling and so pat uh ask questions too yeah we'll, we'll have we'll have we questions no good with we're gonna questions. get questions and answers real quick because we don't have a lot of content <laughs> but pat real quick um we'll go through every we're gonna go through the whole panel and uh i'm sure you brought calls right there there's some calls here well, I know, but um, I'll take the friction stuff. Pick up, pick up the friction call, and, and one of the things just, just comes off the top of my head: the meat and potatoes, the spine, the backbone of turkey calling. Uh, your your way and how you do a yelp on your friction call, and what has made you so successful with your style of calling. Uh, friction calls, a lot of it, most of it is you know angle of your striker and the pressure of your striker. And, and the type of, you know, where you run it on the call. You see a, a big variation big variation in how guys run a striker, where they hold it here, 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 how tight they grip it. Uh, and you'll hear totally different sounds out of a call based on how you hold the striker. That's, that's a big thing. Also with uh, friction call pot boxes are kind of the same way, but with pots, uh, I like to hold them hardly, hardly even hold them. I like to keep them, you know, just about like that. You can just sort of take that thing out of your hand. The more you grip a pot, you sort of take away the, you know, especially in a wood call. I'm a big believer in, in wooden pots that, you know, wood, just like in a box call, wood lets it, it lets it talk. It has an acoustical, you know, part of it that if you, you can work hard and hard and hard designing a call, tuning a call, getting it all tuned up, and if you grab it like that and run it, you just trumped all that stuff, you know. So let, I always, you know, try and hold a call as loose as you can. And I like to hold the striker fairly loose. And uh, let the, I sort of just let the call, I hold one real tight. We see this, it shows a lot. The only reason I notice this so much. Hold a call real tight and real low. You get a lot of, you know, it doesn't really come to life versus just letting the call breathe and you get more, where you can get more rasp and life in a call. So as far as friction calls go, you know, I, I'm always a big believer in, you'd be surprised what you would sound like if you just loosen the grip, loosen the, you know, the striker grip. And you're only calling, on a friction call, you're only calling about the size of a dime. You know, you don't, don't want to take a big, big stroke most of the time. It just wouldn't sound natural, you know, if you, if you take too big a stroke. A hen yelp is about as quick as you can draw the size of a dime is about what a hen yelp is. So that's how I run like that. Awesome. Yeah, friction calls are really good. But grip, grip's a big thing in friction calls. Mark, uh, your trumpet calls. I, I think that um, 
you, you, you've won many Grand National Champion champions when they had that, so has Chris. I think you guys are tied with those title, number of titles. Man, thank God they ended that thing. I didn't want to have to call against him. <laughs> I, I snuck in there and won. I snuck in there and won one of them between you guys, I think. But uh, yeah, we weren't in it. No. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank God. <laughs> it was myself and an old nun, but I did win. But uh, so. Uh, the trumpet call is a is a is a just explain why you're such a believer in that sound and how you work that call because a lot of there are a lot of wingbone and, and trumpet callers out there. Probably one of the oldest forms of calls, you know, way back. Um, Indians. The, the American Indians used uh, wing <coughs> bone out of a turkey to. They learned how to manipulate it and make the sound of a wild turkey, and I guess it kind of got modified and people started using cane because it's hollow and then they started gluing pieces of cane together to get different sounds and and today you know it's turned into a piece of wood that's been you know turned down and drilled out and it's just a modified wing bone basically is what it is and it it's a it's a call that I didn't have a lot of faith in years ago and a friend of mine Kerry Terrell always killed a lot of turkeys with a trumpet and he said you're missing out because I was a big diaphragm call. I, I mean, I would take a diaphragm call and nothing else. And it just kind of, one day I said, well, I'm going to try it. And uh, I had a turkey I couldn't do anything with and took it out. And he really responded to it. And I found out over the years that it's a really directional call. I can change the direction of the turkey. If, he's, if I'm right-handed and he's coming in over here, I can turn it and it sends the sound this way. It it'll kind of sometimes make him come more in front of you or if you're guiding you got somebody then they need to get the bird to move um there's lots of different things it, it it's a call that it it really gets the sound it projects the sound and it's it's as loud as any other type of call if you want it to be but the soft stuff carries farther um you hear a lot of these calls that you know, from where y'all are, you may not hear a lot of difference, but I've done a lot of testing, and it, it's a, I can call really soft, and they can hear it a long way. And it lets you be softer and more subtle and get some of the different light sounds, and then they still hear it, and it, it gets their attention. And it's a different sound. It'll be different than most of these sounds, but, but it's all turkey, and you'll hear that, and um, it's something that's been real effective for me over the last few years. And In fact, I've only uh, put a diaphragm in one time in the last two years. Every turkey that I've called in for myself or other people has been with a trumpet, and I got complete confidence in it. Um, it's just something that you can add. You know, I, I suggest everybody have several types of calls, but it's just another... Tool well, uh, run a some yelping with it, and uh, I have a question now. When you when you do yelp, are you a continuous flow of air, or is it separated? It's separated, and I'm pulling the air with my throat, pulling it back with my throat. You know, a lot of people suck on it, which is kind of a you can hear how loud that it can be. I mean, that will strike a turkey. A turkey will gobble at that at unbelievable distances. But you don't have to be that loud, especially if the bird's in close and you want to be a little bit more realistic. You can just kind of...
That's beautiful. That is un unbelievable. Matt, you got a friction call in your hand, and Matt, uh, again, is known for the guy that won the Grand Nationals, really, truly using partly at least friction calls. Amazing. I was there and in that finals the year you won the Grand Nationals. You were dating that girl. Then. I was dating that girl. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I even bring that up? No kidding. <laughs> Sometimes my inside voice just pours out, okay? I'm sorry. So, Matt, uh, I, 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 yeah. we've been calling soft. Let, I want to hear uh, your thoughts on running a friction call number one, but but also you got to do some of that awesome cutting that you're, you're the best that I've ever heard at taking a friction call and making it turkey. In my opinion, my well, personal opinion. I, I tell you the, the secret to competition friction calling. I learned this past weekend. Um, I got back into a calling contest on Friday with one of our guys, Josh Grossenbacher, on a two-man team. I thought I could do it. I was practicing, getting ready, just like the old days. But there's one thing that I forgot about is when you step up on stage, I went to put my striker on my call, and my hand was shaking so bad I couldn't get it down there. And that's when I was calling, That's I could control my nerves. And that's one thing that you don't realize unless you've ever been up there. The nerves, the guys that can beat their nerves, because you got that adrenaline going, that's, that's the guys that are and some guys call better like that. Which is why Michael Waddell wondered if I had a heart attack last year when I wasn't coming out on the stage, but that's okay. <laughs> what about in the woods? In the woods? You're a little shaky. Have you ever gotten shaky? Heck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to sound like a woodpecker, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but friction calls, when I, I mean, I learned on a mouth call is when, you know, I, I competed as a kid with mouth calls and my voice and, and it, where I come from in Pennsylvania, at one point in, when friction calls got really realistic, when it went from plastic to wood, it helped me. In, it helped a lot of folks in the woods because that realism's built into a friction call. Mouth call, I mean, it takes a long time, a lot of times, for guys to sound exactly like a hen. Technology's gotten better. Guys building calls gotten better. It's, it, it's a whole different process. But you can take somebody the first time to the woods and, and with a, today's friction calls, I don't care whose it is, they sound like a turkey, you know, and... and uh -huh. It, it's technology's made it a lot better, but cutting to me is when a hen's doing that. I mean, in the woods, that's a turkey hunter's bread and butter call. Get him fired up, you know. Get him cranked up. And it's been my favorite call when I am in a competition because I like to. You're painting a picture when you're calling on stage. You want you want that judge to you know feel like. There's a hen turkey out there and trying to get as realistic as possible. One of the things that you notice, Matt, his rhythms are just impeccable. That's that's real turkey. And every what I hear people do on a slate call most of the not of times, and you hear them especially in public hunting areas, they just want to do that machine gun stuff. Turkeys don't machine gun cut. They cut with real turkey rhythm like you're doing. Well she's listening. You know, she's 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 making that sound, she's excited and she's listening between notes. Now, if he gets real excited, you know, or, or aggravated at another hen, oh. there you go. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I, I love it, Billy. Um, 
probably uh, one of the best I've ever heard at like Excited Hen Yelping and Yelping. You got one of the prettiest, if not the most prolific Yelp in the industry in regards to to, to scoring. I, I I I don't know anywhere Billy goes that do, he doesn't score with his Yelping. So let's talk about your Hen Yelping and what you do and the mechanics you do to, to, to not only get the plain Hen Yelp, but get some more excitement into it and let them know kind of what you're, how you're making that call, get the excitement into it. The whole deal with a mouth call for me uh, is you need to get the air channeled to the right position on that call. You can, I use a cutter call. So on the cutter call, over to the right of that call, I can stop that top reef from fluttering and get the softer calls, the softer clucks and the softer yelps. But then when I'm gonna get a little bit louder or, or do like a plain yelp and put just a little bit of rasp in it, I can channel that air back over to the middle of the call and start to get more of a, more, a little bit more rasp in it to put that realism into it. Just like he was saying about the rhythm on your cutting, even on your yelping, if you want to get realistic with it, listen to your hands. And a lot of times, hands will do a one-noted yelp. I mean, they're yelping, and all of a sudden they slow down because they're listening for a response. They're not just out there talking to be talking. They're they're listening for for somebody to answer them, for that gobbler to answer them. And when that gobbler does answer, a lot of times what I do is I I'll explode. I'll explode up into some excited hen yelp. So I'm I'm playing yelping, and then I'll explode up into that excited hen yelp. And what I'm doing then, when I'm doing that yelp, I'm basically using that whole top read. I want that whole top read to have that rasp in there and to, to get that in it. Any answer? Well, I told that gobbler right then by doing that, the more excited cutting and the yelping, putting that excited hen yelp to him, that's telling that gobbler that I got excited when I heard him. And to me, a mouth call, your hands free, that's the number one thing. And uh, you can get very realistic on that if you practice enough and, and get all the soft calls, all the, all the louder calls, and, and sound exactly like a real live hen. And I want to mention Chris and I hunted together and we talked a lot about, talk about that realism. And Real turkeys, they'll they'll have hiccups, and you know when they're sure. they're talking amongst themselves. Um, but then when you're on stage, you almost have to have a little bit smoother um, calling technique. So how do you guys differentiate between hunting your hunting calls and your competition calls? Mine are exactly the same. I mean, what I use in the woods is exactly what I use on stage. Uh, but as Chris did several years ago, when I used to cover you guys or whatever. Yeah, a little stutter step yelps. There's a lot of things turkeys do, little nuances that they do that they're, you know, a turkey doesn't know what it's going to do from one minute to the next. And sometimes you listen to them and they'll 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 start stop and start a call. You know, they'll be cutting and all of a sudden they'll just break it and it'll they'll hit a high note and drop into yelping and do things and it's real. Turkeys do it, and I think that as callers. We listen to this stuff and, and we listen to these live turkeys do it and we, we 
we put it out there as in a hunting situation and it's very 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 good it's very successful a lot of times you try to take that to the stage and you know we're trying to be as perfect as possible but we want to also try to do something that's a little bit different and sometimes you take a chance when you do something a little bit different and sometimes you're going to get judges that don't you know turkey's not going to judge you on it doesn't matter the end result for the turkey is is he goes home in the back of your truck the end result when a contest when you do it is you go home with zero <laughs> but, but what you're saying though i think has uh I think that was true, but I do think it's evolved. I was just going to say, I do, now, I do too. I do too. Yeah, I think it came a little bit further now than what it used to be like. It used to be very program calling, and now things are able to be stepped out a little bit. I think, I think the better the hunters. Now they're they're the better. This transition into the contest. Plus, there's a ton more information so, nowadays. Oh, yeah. Where you can go to YouTube and watch a hen yield, yes. seventy thousand oh, different yeah. variations. Right. Where yeah. guys were taking their woods time back then, and they had entrenched in one hand that they you know that they really like yeah. and and there's a that's lot prob that's probably the, one of the biggest things it's yeah. just you know information yeah here it is this is how it really is we were talking about that chris and i and steve actually yesterday a turkey can make any noise it wants to at any time that it wants to yeah. and, and we're on stage we can't necessarily do that but i'm with pat i see that changing i see the realism um that not necessarily was lacking in past competitions no in fact but i'm not so sure the calling wasn't <clears throat> at some point there was some hen yelping that might have been even better Correct. than there is now right I and i agree with that and but i, I see that that that's transitioning <clears throat> over um just like jesse yesterday he put a lot of fluff into his calling but it made it real it painted a scene and, and just like steve and i both did i mean you know being on that stage billy you hear some stuff that we used to would never have put in that calling that we're able to put well, in there. One of the things was, how many people were in the Grand, uh, watched the Grand Nationals that were in here? Just Jonathan? Anybody else? So one of the things, um, uh, Mitchell and I and Billy competed in it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was, first off, I was proud to be up there with you guys. I mean, an old man like me to be able to get up there and still compete. He goes back that's, to this age thing a lot. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, but he dated this that girl. <laughs> Mary, Mary Williams. But one of the things <laughs> I, one I, one of, I'm, I'm not, I'm not bashing our calling <coughs> ability or skills, but one of the things I think in a scenario format that really shine with Jesse, and this is an accolade to Jesse Martin, is he gave, I, you mentioned fluff. I don't call it fluff. He gave just a lot of extra turkey it's all real turkey it's all real turkey but he gave a lot of the extra stuff in two different sounds and three different sounds that a lot of us callers didn't do and i'm not saying i was disappointed with my run or my sound qualities were horrible or anything like that or yours or billy's but that's what kind of the yeah. panel of judges were looking for yesterday. He let everything he had hang out there. He did. I, I, I watched Absolutely yep. he did. I mean, he didn't uh -huh. leave anything. I, 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 I am telling you. And it was all real. It he was. was. The way he calls right now, that's that's uh, that's his lane. Yeah, I'm moving to Chris since you were on Chris. Um, Chris is one of the most, again, the most talented. He is the most talented turkey caller, in my opinion, I've ever been around uh, and accomplished as well. Uh, Chris's his ability to run a mouth call and like I'm gonna have him do to demonstrate this uh, his his thoughts on, on not only yelping but cutting and how he does it and how he puts the realism to into it and 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 he used to he taught me this many years ago that that a call has to you have to have, let it recover that call has to recover when you give it a sound and 
otherwise if you run it too close together you're 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 making that call do things that it's not supposed to be doing but Chris expound on that a little bit on your your cutting and yelping well it's kind of like playing a guitar and I'm not good at it but I do play a little bit guys that are really good at it it's uh, the difference between sitting around and playing and strumming a guitar and playing a little song and strumming that guitar and the guy that can go and play with a band and he can hear the beat and the sound and and know when he's got to lead in with that lead part of the guitar know when he backs off when he when he turns the volume down and he's backing off playing rhythm again and when he has got to get into that he can read that he can he can he knows when that's happening before it ever happens he's ahead of it he knows exactly where he's going to chord where he's going to he's going to start picking and the same way with calling you know and matt said it best turkeys don't just get out there and haphazardly call they're not out there just running around yelping and cutting and they're communicating with one another and that whole the whole point is is they're listening they're listening to everything that's going on wanting a response they're calling for a response or a communication whether they're calling to and back and forth with another hen or they're communicating with a gobbler, communicating with you, you know, when you're calling to them. So a prime example is cutting. And the one thing that, that I kind of expound on, and I think Denny Galvis brought this to light years ago, is TikTok cutting. Hens cut and it's, it's you know, it's, it's broken. It's and she'll pause and she'll listen. Somebody hits them with a call, they come right back to it again, and they'll come back harder a lot of times to it, and then they'll throw in that yelp. But being able to do that when you separate it and making it real is a whole lot different than just running it all together. So I'll, I'll attempt to do it. I'm kind of rusty, but... Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. Awesome. Well, I am. Oh. She just got excited because somebody called back to her and then she brings it back down again and she'll she'll start getting back to her normal rhythms again and pick it back up but no one in doing that knowing how to communicate I think calling is you got to learn how to communicate with a turkey is way more important than the sound quality of the call if you can't communicate on the level with that turkey it doesn't matter how good you sound you've got to learn how they communicate and what they're saying out there I'm gonna move on to Mitchell real quick what kind of call are you using? That's a bat wing call. Bat wing? Yeah, that's a bat wing style call. It's got a, like a medium top reed latex and then it's got real light reeds underneath it. One of the other guys also mentioned a website that you can go to and like listening to turkey calls. Any YouTube. If you go to YouTube and just type in, you know, you can type in live hen footage and there is an expandable amount of footage you can start playing and listen to these hens and you'll get to hear and it'll show you too that there's about 300 million different sounds in yelping no two hens I mean you know for example she can do so many things with with her voice she can be She can go all the way through those ranges. You know, learn how to do that with one call. Take one call and learn how to sound like a multiple different hens. You can communicate back and forth with yourself, kind of. A lot of times that'll turn the situation yeah. around. I think a lot, of, and like he was saying, they'll, they'll go just like he was doing. It it's a like mood how, change. How you push it, and you know, a hen, she, he can sound like this, 
she can sound like this and she can sound like, and the more she pushes it she goes into you know a whole different sound and you, do, you can do the same in your friction or your air yes. you can sound like this it, end it's inflection like just end, like human more excitement mm -hmm. you put in yeah. you know so you have your wife sitting there by you correct how on the third time she tells you to take the trash out that voice is a whole lot different than it was the first time she asked you right because <laughs> we have selective hearing yes. <laughs> so mitchell is uh, i mentioned earlier about all his the the, the beautiful purring and and soft stuff and feed talk that this man is able to produce and it's real turkey i mean it just puts the hair well if you had hair it puts the hair up on the back of your neck so mitchell talk about that and 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 what i, what I want to mention is if you really want to improve your turkey calling skills to the next level don't think aggressive loud think soft because public land turkeys end up turkeys uh, turkeys that aren't gobbling and much, you know, those shut mouth turkeys, they're all going to be probably dealt with better with the soft stuff than the loud stuff. So Mitchell, uh, run some soft stuff and, and let them know what you're doing, what you're using, and uh, what goes through your mind to get that kind of, because I want to learn here while I'm sitting up here. So one of the things with, with soft talk, I remember when I first started using a diaphragm call, uh, it took me two weeks to ever get a sound out of one. It was just, it, it was just I couldn't, didn't understand it, didn't understand the mechanics of it, and didn't have anyone to teach me. Um, I'm sort of one of those guys that my dad didn't turkey hunt, my family didn't turkey hunt. I just got on this sort of on my own. Had a good friend of mine, Jonathan Miller, that still competes today. That I went to his house one day, and there's a bunch of trophies sitting over in his corner, and it had turkeys on top of it. And I was like, what in the world, man? I was like, where did you get all these trophies with turkeys? And I'm a competitive person by nature anyways. And uh, he said, man, I went to turkey calling contest. I'm like, they have those things? You know, that's sort of neat. Uh, so I just got into turkey hunting. So he started teaching me how to build a mouth call. Well, then as that evolved, um, I started learning how to use a mouth call, of course. And I remember when I first started clucking and purring when I, I, I done what I call the motorboat. So I couldn't purr with my throat or I couldn't gargle or I couldn't purr with my my tongue, I couldn't roll my tongue, so I would do what I called a motorboat purr, so I so that's how I purr, and I couldn't just do it on my own, I had to crank it, so I had to take my fingers and sort of kickstart my purr. What? Uh, but, so, well, so, I'm sorry, that's <laughs> Everybody be doing that. Yeah, so everybody can be walking up. That's quite a challenge. Yeah, I'm telling you. So, but once I got to that, uh, I sort of learned why it was working and how it was working, and I just sort of evolved my cluck of purring. So I've got a two-reed batwing in, and that's one of my my go-to style calls, a batwing style call, just like Chris was calling on. And Billy's calling on a cutter call, something completely different. And I think I used as, to. Right, as, as callers and as hunters, that's why we make so many mouth calls because it, it and so many style cuts, you need to find what you can use best. And that's why all those cuts are out there because I can't use a cutter call for nothing. I mean I just I can't do it. And Billy, I don't know, you make and you run a bat wing grade. I don't know. I can, purr, um, I can, purr, he can purr. Right. Yeah, I, I remember. He, that's good. He, he told me how to do that. Right. We was actually sitting at my kitchen table <laughs> one night. One with the look. Yeah, I started my motor. You see me when I'm up here? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Billy was sitting at my kitchen table. He was cooking at Christy Sportsman Banquet for us at the church. And, and uh, uh, we was we were building cluck and purr calls. But it's a two-lead bat wing, really light. It's got a lot of uh, fluff on the front end. But 
So it's not a call that I can get real loud on. It's not a call that I can get real aggressive on. But it's a call that all that soft stuff where you're really trying to close that gobbler ring in that last 75 yards, that it, it can be really, really handy to. It's as loud as it needs to be. Right. I mean, yeah. in the woods, turkeys will call almost under their breath. Yes. Absolutely. If you're not within 30 yards or less of them, you'll never hear them. Yeah. And a gobbler can hear that way further than we're, we're, yes. what we can hear it. Absolutely. And, and we tend to, I think, call way too loud. And oftentimes, a gobbler, you know, a hen goes to the gobbler by nature. So we're reversing nature. We're calling the gobbler to us. So a lot of times we call aggressive to him. He's going to stand on his haunches there and go, well, man, if she's that excited, she's going to walk up here. And we shut him off before he ever gets a chance to do anything. So it's always it's always easy to call louder. It's a whole more, lot more difficult to call loud to start with and then try to back off on it. Absolutely. Well, we went through every one of these top callers' <coughs> thoughts on, on different, not every call, but uh, on the different calls they do. So we'll open it up. We're... Uh, Obviously, a lot of people want to get on the road today. Um, we we will open it up to questions and answers. You in the back, back there. Hello, back there. <laughs> I know it won't reach you till later, but if you want to come up, you can ask questions or ask questions from back there. But let's open the floor up to. Uh, and when you ask a question, if if you would direct it to one of our panelists, and we'll try and, in other words, we'll try and let each one answer uh, each question as they go along. Go right ahead, please. Answer or ask questions. Yes. I had a question. Um, I don't remember your name, but with the wingbone call, um, it's Mark. Mark. Um, <coughs> I don't hardly ever see my actually use those where I hunt or anything. And would you? Uh, I consider it be a good thing. That's the one. Yes. Consider it one. Do you guys see it? Like everybody does the other calls, but do you see wingbones that much? No, and that's that's one thing that makes them so effective. They have a different sound, and and I'm gonna be honest with you. I hear a lot of people talk about public land turkeys. Public land turkeys are tough. They're tough everywhere. But I have to hunt behind myself. If I've got I've got a lot of little places to hunt. You know, 200 acres here, 100 acres there. You know, 400 over there. I have to hit these places and I guide a lot. If I go to a place and one of my clients misses a turkey or whatever and I ran a diaphragm call, then I have to I, I have to hunt those birds all season. So the hardest thing to do is hunt behind myself and I think a lot of people overlook that in that, you know, we all don't have thousands of acres to hunt. Oh, man. So you you you're putting pressure on your birds and people get in a habit. I've caught myself before. Yep, yep, yep. Cut, cut, cut. Yep, yep, yep. Cut, cut, cut. Yep. And and they recognize, you know, hey, and then you miss one, or you call two in and kill one. You know what? Yet you just educated that bird. So I think it's a big deal to to change up, be proficient with all the calls, mm -hmm. but have something a little different. You know. Do you think the wooden ones that call makers are making are the better ones or ones like the old guys used to make out of actual it, You know, it depends. I, I think that these are more versatile. You can get a... Slightly easier, too, as far as being able to use them. Uh, well, uh, probably... A, a wing uh, bone is a little bit difficult sometimes yeah. just because of the... You can... If, if you have someone make one, you can ask 
tell them kind of what you want or what you prefer, but um, these calls are more versatile. A wing bone is what it is. Um, yeah. The sound is pretty much what you got. You can get high pitch, low pitch. You know, I can go, and, and Nate, somebody mentioned earlier, you know, sounding like more than one turkey. And I mean, if you sound like a flock, you're a whole lot better off. So just kind of, Clear, raspy, high pitch, low pitch, soft, loud. You can switch over and um, do a Jake, you know, like. And so it's, they're very versatile in the sounds you can make. You just gotta learn, you know, it's a little bit more difficult call to learn, but once you do, it's different, and that's what makes it better, in my opinion. They're easy. You'll, you'll sound just like that if you get one. <laughs> <laughs> they are very realistic. I had a good uh, story on those <clears throat> last year in Florida. I was sitting with a customer, and uh, Scott Bayshore, who run those things, always runs his box, and he has a little slate call and stuff, and he sounds so authentic. And that customer had hunted with us several years. And we were working a bird, and all of a sudden, Scott switched to his wing bone, and a customer sat right up. Is that a turn? That's Scott. And I think that that's the same, a good example of what the turkeys might do too. You know, they next snapper. What is that? That's different. You know. So there's good yeah, point. We had that. We had that in uh, Missouri. You was not. Remember, we had a rider out that morning, and you was sitting. By, he was sitting behind me. And I was doing my more normal thing, yelping too loud and, and trying to trying to lure this gobbler in and all of a sudden he starts yelping on a slate call back there and I guarantee you I thought that was a I thought it was a hen come up behind us. That's an old guy I mean, trick. Yeah. I had that on my slate oh, yeah. and I just <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, right. No, that was just on a slate. I mean first thing I did, I'm looking back around, I'm like, dude, warn me when you're gonna do that. Because I I mean it realistically and I think turkeys are the same way. Uh, being able to do two different hens a lot I of wish times I had a piece of single piece difference. of slate. Yeah. A oh, single yeah. piece of slate. Yeah, you so can do it. <laughs> <laughs> that, if you can do that, I'm not real sure that's a good idea. Piece of slate. You single know, piece of slate. All these fancy calls and all these exotic woods. And, just, all, you know, and I never. I have a single piece of slate in here at an old corn cob striker. And man, you can. No, you can get so realistic with that stuff. That's all I did. I, I remember that day. Now that you say that, we were sitting there at turkey gobbled, and Billy was calling, and I mean, it sounded awesome. And I just, as a, when you're hunting with, when I'm hunting with a buddy, especially like one of these guys, and, and I don't want to call over top of them, but you want to call. I mean, it's why you go That's turkey. Yeah, yeah, you know, and 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 he was yelping. I just thought I'd throw some soft stuff in, and I just hit a slate call. Most time you see a guy run a slate call, I just. And you get about ten yards from that, and it'll make you'll make you go. Oh, she's sneaking in behind that's, me now. That's exactly what I thought. Of that. That's one thing with TV and videos and everything. You see a lot of aggressive stuff, and you know, I, a lot of things done to sell calls. I think you talk softer yeah, to them, exactly. you get a lot better than you do if you yeah. talk louder to them, because you get a, it's more offensive, especially hens. You get a gobbler that has hens with him, you start these, cranking on him. Yeah, that hen's going to just take them all. These, these trumpets and wing bones to me. Uh, 
I always th thought when I'm listening to them in the, in the morning in the trees, you know, we're, we're blowing our calls, especially mouth calls. We're blowing to them, and they're almost swallowing their yelps. You think about that. That's a good way to put it. You know, they're swallowing their yelps, and we're blowing our yelps. What? If you can learn to swallow the yelp, you know, it's, it's a different turkey. What, one thing, too, you, if you start soft, you can always get loud and aggressive. Yes. But if you, you can't start loud and aggressive and go back to soft, I mean, I guess you can, but it's just like talking to somebody. If I ran up to you and got loud right on top of you, you'd be like, whoa, you know, you know something's wrong. It's just not right. But, but you know, you can always tone it up, but it's hard to tone it down. When, when I go hunt, I go to an area, I get out in the woods where if I'm on the edge of the field, whatever, I always start soft calling. Because especially, I live in the mountains of North Carolina, so that's where I primarily hunt. Well, with the ridges and the hollers and the, the hills the way they are, I mean, there could be a turkey right on the other side of the ridge from where I'm at. So I always start soft calling because if I blow his doors off right off the bat, you know, he might be just right over the ridge. He might give me a shot gobble and head the other way. So if I start soft calling, if, if he's on the other side, he might respond to me a little bit better than if I just blasted him out of the woods right off the bat. I think Mark mentioned something earlier about versatility, and I'm glad you asked the question about the wing bone because, as you said, a lot in trumpet calls, a lot of people don't use that in their arsenal. If you have... Uh, a versatility and or diverse amount of calls in your vest it it, it, it will pay off to have every, every one of those calls will eventually pay off and you'll think when you get back if I didn't have that call with me yeah. I'd have never yeah. got that turkey kill mm -hmm. so do not be scared to broaden your horizons I'm not trying to sell a call here doesn't make any difference we're all representing call companies but the take-home point is have the versatility because and I'm I, personally I like to strike with non-turkey sounds if I can't strike with non-turkey sounds I like to strike with turkey sounds in particular friction and particular high friction sounds that reach out and touch and will yank a gobble out of a turkey and normally other calls won't and then I'll continue with friction all the way in until they get close and take over with mouth call. The cool part about that is when you strike one and he's fired up on friction and he gets in close and then you pick up with your with your mouth call if you're able to yelp with a mouth call and they start cutting that mouth call off, you pretty well get the get the grease going on at the in the mm. frying pan. I mean you it's it's pretty much almost a done deal. And you can just tell how they react to the calls how you know that each turkey is telling you how he's reacting to that call. I, I think one of the questions that I'm asked most often, and I, I guarantee these guys are as well, um, especially as call makers or if we're doing a seminar, people ask me, "What's your favorite turkey call to use?" I mean, I get that question a lot. One that kills well, him. One, yeah. the one that the turkey's gobbling at. That's my favorite turkey call to use. And you say, "Well, that's very open-ended," but I, I I feel like this. I have no science to back this up. But I completely feel like that um, you, you eventually might pull out a slate call, he may not gobble, a glass call, he may not gobble, uh, might pull out a ceramic call or a mouth call and he'll fire right off. Well, I feel like that you've hit a tone of a hen that that turkey's used to hearing. Yes. And, and that's what's made him yeah. fire off. I agree. Familiar your voice. Yes, absolutely. Yep. So, Mr. Yeah. I was going to ask this question earlier. I know there's a ton of game call companies yes. now. I know you guys are all sponsored by different ones, but talking about the favorite game call do you guys have a uh, uh, certain friction call or a box call from the slate whatever that you go use year in and year out or do y'all switch out 
every I, year. I, I sort of, I keep a lot of different calls in my vest, to be honest. I mean, I, I've got a glass call, a slate call, an aluminum call, um, and I'll keep mouth calls. And mouth calls are light, you can pack easy, you know. Yeah, you but are you, you, are you using this? Some of the same ones year in year. Yes, out. I am. I do. I, I just saw Billy's mouthy over here. He's had that thing a long time. <laughs> I promise you. I'm like, I'm like, I'm getting scared to sit by side. Well, there's gangrene growing on it. My, yeah. my, my calls from last year are still in my vest right now. Well, as far as my pot calls. This is a call from last year. They'll come right back in. I, 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 I did the same thing. I, that's I, that's I, mean, I know new products are good to push and it's important to get it out there. Absolutely. But I'm one that I, I've kind of got my, my two or three favorites. Absolutely. I think especially when it comes to friction style calls, Absolutely. that we, we have some that they're go to calls, that they've got a certain pitch and tone that we really like. We've had success with them. They're easy to run, they're, they're easy for us to function with, you know. And, and talk about a box call, we've mentioned a lot of things, and I think that's one of the most overlooked calls Absolutely. there is. Oh, yeah. I would have brought Pat's call up here, but it's put away in my bag because I've got certain people that want to steal it, like Stoltz here. So, and if Harold Knight was here, he'd I just have borrow, it. I just permanently borrow it. You perm yeah, permanently borrow it. But, you know, a, a box call can be as versatile as anything else if you learn how to run the call yes. properly, you know. And they've got sides on them, and those sides are kind of like a, um, the pickup on a guitar, if you will. Uh, you touch it in a certain manner, and it's you know you can you can dumb the sound down, or you can make it lively, kind of like holding a pot call, you know. But you can take the sides of this call, and I can just put pressure on it, just just a little bit of finger pressure, and just very light pressure on that. It's going to make its own sound. But if I hold the bottom of it and open it up. I can change that tone with just my fingers. And so learning how to run one of them a little bit, you know, like cutting, you can cut on a box. But I can also cluck. I can do a lot of different things with it. So learning how to run that call properly and being able to get, you know, a lot of uh, use out of different sounds with it, I think is, is critical. And then you learn that, that's one of your go-to calls. Yeah. It's like, I've got this call in my pocket, nothing else is working, I'm gonna grab it and I'm gonna try it and it, it's either going to work or it's not going to work. I think Chris referenced it very well when he referenced back to the guitar player. Every one of these calls is a musical instrument. They are. I mean, that's, that's what it is. And you just have to take your time to practice and hone your skills to make that, get the best out of whatever instrument that you're using, your choice of instrument it is. You've got to just practice it and hone your skills to make that become more lively and better. <coughs> we all like selling calls. I mean, that, you know, you've got to sell a lot of calls. Well, Jonathan, when you get used to, you know, don't buy into all the fluff and the hype, and you see yeah. any of these will kill turkey. Absolutely, it's ninety-nine point nine percent the connection between the call and the ground yep. is, is what's in charge of. Quick point though, um, to I, I every few years will switch only because, like Mark said, so um, I only got uh, my my where I live in Iowa. I only got two hundred eighty acres to, to hunt. And I, I got to make that last for a long time um, for my turkey season in Iowa. Um, so you're hunting behind yourself. So, uh, yeah, I will personally, and I'm blessed. I'm, my gosh, I'm with Woodhaven Custom Call. So I've got a cherry and I've got a walnut. And, yeah, I will switch out box calls. And I will switch out. Uh, I'll sometimes hunt with a glass. I'll sometimes switch it to aluminum or anodized aluminum, uh, sometimes crystal. Point is, every different sound out there, as Mitchell just said, you'll strike those turkeys that other sounds won't because they're, it's a sound or a frequency level that they'll key in on. 
It's amazing, actually. You you can really go through several calls in your vest and not get an answer, and then you'll hit one, and they'll cut you off. You know, you'll and you're like, you know, what was that? And how they do again? Well, it was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, have you ever been sitting with a buddy? I mean, and this this is how finicky they are. Like Chris and I be hunting, and he'll be yelping turkey goblin. And you want to get your and you yelp at him the best you can, and he, mm -hmm. and it's humbling because he's it tuned into that sound that he's been hearing. Yes. That, and I've seen that many. many I'll give you so a prime example before you give your yeah. prime example. To that point, if somebody's calling and that turkey and that gobbler's answering, and you're with your cop, you're a good caller, and your buddy's a good caller, whatever, and that friend of yours or your partner and that turkey's responding, coming, everything's working. There's no sense in chiming in on that. <laughs> don't fix, don't try and fix what's or not switching broke. Calls. Don't, if he's Our, gobbling at it, stay with what yeah. he's answering. Sorry, he's like no. You made me lose my train of thought. I probably did. Sorry. <laughs> That's what happens when you turn 51. I, I remember. Uh, <laughs> Who's he dating in 1900? Uh, I've already forgot. A, a few years ago, uh, my daughter and I was hunting. And we was getting oh, ready to leave. We was in a field. And, I mean, we're talking about I a five-year-old kid. And I was yelping. Nothing was happening. I'm like, well, you know, this turkey's always coming to this field every day. Uh, and, you know, as a father, you try to make the best setups you can, especially when you got a kid that young. You, you want that given hunt. Well, nothing was happening. I mean, this dude hadn't gobbled all day. I'm like, you know, I said, well, before we go, I just handed my box call over to my kid. I'm like, here, honey, yelp on this thing. And it was the awfulest sounding yelp you'll ever hear. And that turkey, pow! I'm like, yep. keep running that thing. And I never said a word. She called that turkey right into that field and she killed him. And yep. so... Like Matt said, whatever he's answering, keep giving it to him. I've had the good fortune to hunt with a lot of people over the years. Harold Knight being one of them. I've hunted with him multiple times. And that guy almost thinks like a turkey sometimes. It's, it's amazing. And that's experience. There's, we can sit up here and talk stuff all day long, and, and, and none of it will do for you what experience will yes. do. And just having so many multiple things happen. But I was hunting with Walter Parrott and Chuck Jones years ago. Not long after I won my first Grand Nationals, we're going down a ridge in Tennessee, here in Tennessee, down mm -hmm. by Gatlin and uh, Gallatin, and Walter can run a tube call uh, as as good, if not better, than any human being I've ever heard in my life. And the cutting he can do on a tube call is scary real. I mean, you get 15 yards from it, and I swear you think it's a hen cutting. And he's cutting on this tube call, and it's just, I'm just standing back there going, man, I'm gonna learn how to run one of them some guns really good one of these days. So real. Wasn't nothing doing anything. And Jones looked at me, he goes, Yelp on that mouth call one time, let's see. And I, yuck, 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 yuck. he hadn't answered a thing. And I yelped one short series in a turkey goblin. We sat down and killed him in five minutes. It, that was the sound he wanted to hear. And like you say, probably a hen in the area that had a little similar sound to how that rasp and how that call was ran, some of that kind of rhythm to it. He keyed in on it. That's why you carry different calls. Yeah, sometimes I think you need to think out of the box too. I mean, a lot of seminars I do, I always, always bring up the fact of, you know, Kiki runs. They're a they're a fall they're a fall call. That's what we think a fall call. But I sat in Kansas one time with a buddy of mine, and we had a bunch of hens. We'd put these birds to roost the night before, two gobblers, and, and there was a bunch of hens with them. That next morning, they all flew out in the field, and they were scattered all over this field. Some of them was 150, 200 yards away, and one hen. And I'm calling, and the gobblers are gobbling. They flew down, they're coming to the field. One hen started doing a kiki run out in front of us about 75 yards, and all these other hens went running right straight to her. And one thing Derek 
started poking me. He said, Kiki, Kiki. So I started doing a Kiki run. All those hens came down. And we've got a gobbler, and we've got three hen decoys, and they're very real looking. But all these hens come down, and, and they actually got between us and all the decoys. What's the first thing you think that that turkey thought when them two hit that field? I did that Kiki run, got them all right there, and actually I didn't say anything else. When they hit that field, they looked down, we had a strutting gobbler. I mean, we've got everybody, so if all them hens are all scattered out, we're probably going to be in trouble. But right then, we've got them all right there, and that Kiki run is the whole reason why they came running right in there. It's all situational. So, yeah. yeah. It's all situational. Well, that's yeah. the other thing, reading birds. You've got to read the birds and see what yes. they want see what they want to hear. But don't count out some of your fall calls, your Jake Yelps, your Kiki runs, things like that, to be able to get to be able to get the bird's attention. Because a lot of times those hens that, are, that the gobblers are that the gobblers are following around, doing that aggressive yelping and trying to get her mad doesn't always work. Sometimes she'll turn around and lead him away. But sometimes doing that lost call, that Kiki run, will get her interested and make her want to come and check you out and see what's going on. I can there. honestly say, in 32 years of turkey hunting, 33 states. All the things I've watched, I can tell you on that hand how many times I have called a hen in aggressively in a gobbler follow. 90% of the time, they go the other way. Mm -hmm. <coughs> they want nothing to do with it. But I can tell you that I've set and called subtle and just picked at them, just a little like under the breath stuff, kind of. <laughs> stuff like that. And I've turned the situation around and had her come in because she's just curious of what's going on and him follow. Sure, but a lot of turkeys don't like, they don't want confrontation. Turkeys really aren't that much different than people. They don't always like confrontation. Mm -hmm. That's like a fighting purse. Sometimes that works and sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, rattling horns. <clears throat> sometimes a gobbler is the boss gobbler and he must come running in. So if you identify your bird and figure out what kind of bird you're actually hunting, you can you can play it to your advantage. I know I was hunting in Canton one time, Canton, Missouri, and one morning I've got a bird, a gobbler and a jake, and they're out in the field and I can't get them to come and I decided to do a fight. So I put on a fight and these birds turn around and they run the opposite direction as fast as they could run. I'm like, man, I didn't know. I, I thought, well, maybe I did something wrong. I had a buddy with me and he said, no, I thought it sounded great. But three days later, I was in the same spot up on the ridge and I had a bird gobble. And he come in and he did the same thing. He hung up about 70 yards. And I've done everything I can do from doing two different hen yelps on my mouth calls. I mean, purring and clucking, doing everything I can. He won't, he won't close that distance. And the last thing, after an hour and a half, I thought, I'm gonna try a fight. And I did a fight and within probably 20 seconds, that bird ran just as fast as he could to me. And I'm trying to pick up my gun and I end up getting a shot. But what I, what I learned, that's the whole thing you learn all the time you're turkey hunting is what I learned that day was the other gobbler with that Jake was probably the insubordinate gobbler and when he heard a fight going on he wanted no part of it and he ran. In my opinion this other gobbler was probably the dominant gobbler in that area and when he heard probably heard, thought he was hearing that gobbler and that Jake fighting he wanted to come up there and settle that score because he figured there was probably a hen there with him and he wanted to make sure that wasn't going to happen. So read your birds, do your scouting and figure out. Yeah and you really didn't know that. Not yeah, sometimes that time. that's all situational. It's just, yeah, you know, it's like, hey, I'm going to throw it out there. It's either going to work or it's not going to work. You know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. just the way it works. And, you know, calling skills are so important. You're, you're, you're listening to the, some of the greatest turkey callers that's really ever graced the stage of the Grand Nationals. But hunting skills is so important in that, in that little things like uh, the pod that you, uh, the, the, the Turkey Hunter podcast asked me this morning, what do you do with a hand up turkey? What's your 
go to? Well, I said get them roosted and then be under their feet, you know, right there when they fly down, be the first hen uh, that they hear. But the other thing is I'm finding as I get older, uh, in public land turkeys and, and also not just public land turkeys but farmland turkeys where I'm used to hunting in North Missouri and Southern Iowa is just being able to hear, and not everybody can, hear that spitting drum and know that those gobblers are not take, hitting the ground and taking off for three miles. They're not going very far. Just because their goblin has shut down, listen for that spitting drum. If you can continuously hear that spitting drum, he's not going anywhere. And you can stay with him. And you can do the soft calling that Chris was just demonstrating, or that Mitchell did, and you can just stay with him and end up killing that turkey if you just hang with that turkey. And if you hear that spitting drum, you're in the game. Just keep thinking that. And you can you hear it further than you think. You can hear it further than you think. That's right. And, and, and if it it moves off to where you can't hear it no more you may need to use terrain use binoculars whatever and make sure you don't bump them but stay with that and stay within hearing distance of that spitting drum and you kill that turkey Someone you may not gobble much or at all but you can kill that turkey Someone you don't gobble much at all when you hunt with Mark you go with Mark and he'll take you to his best place and there's one turkey on it Go ahead, sorry. That's all right. Someone told me a long Don't time gobble. ago, and there's a lot of truth to this statement, is, is the fact that you can kill a turkey anywhere he wants to go. And there's a lot of truth to that. It's, if you scout a turkey, know where he wants to be, it's just like killing a big deer. You've got to know their pattern. You've got to know where they want to be. And the same way goes with the turkey. You can kill a turkey anywhere he wants to go. I always thought that, the, that those, those perfect hunts that we all you know, see on TV or on YouTube. Uh, that's that happens four percent of the time. If you're lucky. If you're yeah. lucky. Those screamers are just come running. Yeah, if you hunt ten days a year it might happen once. <clears throat> and ninety six percent of the time it's that soft calling and they're talking back and forth and they're respecting each other and just living their life. So you gotta play the odds when you're going out. Are you in that ninety percent tile or is this the ten percent? You know, most of the time we're in that ninety percent like I said, we all want to sell calls, but we constantly keep going back to the soft talk, soft talk, soft talk. And that, that's where you sort of, we go into a different seminar versus the yeah. working the calls versus working the birds. And there's definitely a place for aggressive calling, as Matt oh, yeah. said. It's so. fun to call. I just want to say something, because I think this is, if you want to take something that, like you said, about hunting public ground or whatever, you want to do something different that people don't think about. Think about decoys. You put a gobbler in a hen out there, a, a subdominant gobbler. If he commits to those decoys, 99% of the time he's coming to that gobbler decoy yes. first because the pecking yeah, order. Absolutely. They threw a new call in to calling uh, in the last few years, the Jake Yo. You're telling that gobbler the same thing that Jake decoy is. Yeah. And uh, to me, if any turkey hunter is not utilizing a Jake Yo somewhere during yep. their, their conversation, because you're just, I mean, you're hitting that mating aspect when you're sounding like yeah. a pretty little hen over there, and all of a sudden he hears. Rawr, rawr, rawr. I mean, it ticks him off, you know, even subdo or subdominant gobblers that, you know, they hear that Jake, you know, they're not ran off by that. Where a yes. fight, they think there might be two big boys up there, you know, and that Jake Yelp is a killer yes. call to use. And I mean, whether it's a diaphragm, a box call, well, it, it's very simple to do. And I think that'd be one thing that if, if they want to hear some renditions of it, I, to me, that's something that people totally yeah, overlook. Chris has the best Jake Yelp. Yeah. On the <laughs> I don't know about that. One do you thing, got, can you make one? Can you do, give them a give them a Jake Yelp? They haven't heard of Jake Yelp. Oh, Shepka. 
Okay, he's going to picture the picture the clear hen yelping, and, and then you can hear the drastic difference. And, you, and they and a gobbler, Jake, either one, they cluck a little bit different too. Yeah. It's a little more hollow, a little bit more flat. The presentation is different. Yeah, it is totally. Oh. Or when it's with a gobbler, a lot of times he'll. Yeah, it's kind of a he's he's a lot of times he'll be honoring a gobbler. Yeah, a gobbler will be spitting and drumming, and you don't right. even know that that there's a gobbler there because he's out of earshot. You can't hear it, and all of a sudden you hear that. That's because in February and March he's been gobbling with that long beard, and the hens come receptive. He's got that wing upside his head about twenty times. He ain't gonna gobble. He wants to, but he so he's, but he's honoring through 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 that through that yelping. And a lot of times that gobbler's there spitting and drumming and it's worth investigating. I don't know how many times in Florida, because it's 90% pasture hunting where we're at, uh, you'll hear that, I call it Kelkin or whatever. Yeah, Jake Kelkin, yep. You're sitting there and you're, oh, oh, no. you know, you hear it coming and the guy says, oh, Jake's coming. I said, no, be, you watch. And then the big strutter will come out first, you know. But every time he would, Yep. yep. They were they were respecting him, you know, and stay I'll stay away from you. I'm all right. Chris just reminded me of a situation he's talking about hunting with Chris came out and hunted with me and uh he learned how thick it is in South Carolina. Man, you can't see I mean you can't even see ticks. ticks don't even get on you it's so thick, they just stay on the bushes. But but uh we hunted the next morning and I told Chris, I said I've never gone in here and not killed a turkey. I, we went to a place about we went to a place that is the best place I've ever been I don't own the place but I got permission to go in there we were filming a show and we went in there and there was nothing I mean I owl hooted I crow called I did everything I could and you know him and the cameraman well I don't know which one to go to first <laughs> but it was just one of those mornings where well, they, we stayed patient. We, they, they needed coaxing, and I told them, I said, "Guys, I've never been in here. I didn't kill a turkey. I'm just telling you." We we went in there. I started calling. Chris started calling, and the, the gobbler responded, but he was reluctant. He didn't want to do anything, and and the only way we killed that turkey is I started gobbling, mm -hmm. and he he was still reluctant. And finally, he, he decided that he wasn't going to tolerate another gobbler in there. He came in there to fight. Now, it's no different. We were painting a picture. It's no different than having a strutting, full strut decoy because he knows that's a gobbler and he's coming to fight or at least show that he's more dominant in front of the hens. But he couldn't see because it's thick, so we had to paint that picture in his mind that there was a gobbler there. He came in. He had about a two-inch beard because it broke off, but it was a full-grown 18-pound South Carolina turkey. It's an inch-and-eighths bird bird. Yeah. Inch-and-eighths yeah. birds, but, but the, the point is, is Jake yelping, gobbling, sometimes you have to read the situation. We wouldn't have killed that bird any other way, so that's just what you got. I, I, I always I, had a good... The day before, we burnt one up. 
We literally yeah. one started gobbling, and and he was not coming until we burned the place down, and we had to just absolutely yelp him until he we took him in the face, out of self defense. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's just you know he wasn't going to come any other way. Well, they all have different all personalities. Awesome. Real quick, uh, we're going to have to finish up here, but to, to expound on what Mark just said, they wouldn't have killed the turkey. The all these guys know if the spot's good and the turkeys are there, they're still there. You're not hearing them. They ain't left. They ain't went to the next county to go to the county fair. They're not like big whitetails. They're not. They're, they're they still there. So, so <laughs> whether they're gobbling or not, hunt those turkeys like they're still there. Yep. Like they big can loops. still hear you because they they'll they will. They're there and they they like Mark said. He just didn't want to cooperate. But by God, they they finally got them to start. You know, you know. Uh, uh, Kept cranking on them, cranking on them, gave them what they finally wanted, what aggravated them, and got them. Basically, you got a turkey that probably most other people would have never killed, more than likely. That and that's day. experience. Yes. That's all we we might have went back the next day, and he might have yelped one time, he might have run to us. But that day, that's what we had to do. Yeah, we didn't have enough. Pat, you had something to mention, and we're going to have to finish up. Yeah, I was just going to say, another good thing when you're talking all this aggressive calling, soft calling, decoys, all that, I always think of any, any situation I get into with turkeys, they're going to go through two modes. Denny, go, this is, Denny always told me this. They start out in audio mode. And somewhere before you pull the trigger, they've switched to video mode. They're looking. They went from ears to eyes. And when they go to eyes is when you change your calling. You know? So as, as they're coming in, they're, it's all listening. It's all listening. You can talk more. Talk. Now they're looking. Now you got to change how you're calling when they're looking. Yeah, because they're, ex they're expecting to see a turkey. That's, that's, and that's a good analogy. It, it is. Yeah. I like that. They, they switch from video to audio. Well, thank you for coming. Uh, once again, 2019's a wrap. The National Wild Turkey Federation Convention. This is the last seminar of the day. I know you probably are surprised. But, no, thank you guys. <laughs> thank you guys and thank the panel. Uh, appreciate it. A lot of great information. Thank you so much. Thank you. So is that good stuff or what? You know, as I'm recording this, I'm actually sitting here at my desk where I record all of the episodes for the Turkey Hunter podcast. And there are, uh, looks like six, nope, seven, make that seven turkey calls spread out all over my desk. Pot and peg calls, diaphragm calls, trough calls. I mean, I'm getting... I mean, I'm getting pretty jacked up about the fact that we are 30 days away from turkey season starting in Alabama. I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get in the woods and call in a great big old Tom for me or someone else. And this week's episode just got me a little more fired up, if that was even possible to do. But it also kind of got me in that mode of listening to turkey calls so that I know what to listen for while I'm practicing. Because every one of those guys on that panel sound like a real live turkey. They're incredible, are they not? Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed it. That's all that I've got for you guys this week. But if you'll do me a favor, I would be very appreciative. My favor of the week this week is to open up the share feature in your podcast player application and share the link for this week's episode with two turkey hunting buddies. If you do that for me, that would be a humongous help. 
not just for me, but it might end up helping you because one of the two people you send this episode to might just learn something that helps them call in a turkey for you to shoot when you're hunting together. So do that for me. That's huge, really huge. And with that, I have to say thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.